Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to another How We Solve live stream. This time we're streaming, it's actually a first, we're streaming our How We Solve Partnerships Mastermind, which we're usually having twice a month, live on different channels, you know, on, on um, Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, etc. also YouTube Live, because we always have such awesome guests on and they provide so much value and knowledge and we want to get this out into the open and share this with more people versus just a small group that we have. And so, yeah, here we go. That's our, our first How We Solve Partnerships Manager Mastermind live stream. And I have a very cool guest. Let me bring Aaron on and let me bring Chili on and introduce these gentlemen. Chili is our Partnerships Manager at L2B Plus and Aaron is a good friend of mine. Aaron, you may know Aaron. First, we thought like we're going to remove his name and you have to guess who he is. You may know from Seth Rosex, which is a very popular SaaS-focused um, Facebook group which I'm also part of, really good conversations, really good people in there. I think 25,000 members or so by now, which is pretty awesome. And Aaron also helps SaaS companies get focused, accelerate their growth and scale predictively. And today he will share one of his coolest, in my opinion, tools in this SaaS toolbox, which is how to grow without spending money on ads and without waiting for SEO to begin. So it's, it's one of my favorite ways of, of growing businesses. And it works not only for SaaS businesses, it works for pretty much all businesses. I haven't tried on B2, B2C, but B2B, it definitely works. And it's the partnership game. And yeah, Aaron, uh, we had you on the podcast before. Thank you very much for being on the show. And by the way, it's your birthday today. Happy, yeah. happy, happy birthday, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Yes, everybody that's already on live stream, if you type into, into the chat. Whichever platform. I'll put in my, my PayPal address to you later in case you have any gifts that you want to send over. Yeah, yeah and make sure it's marked as a gift so he doesn't have to pay any fees. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Aaron, if you want to give people like maybe a longer intro, like something I left out on what you do. No, that was good. That was great. And we've been working with SaaS companies for a long time. And we, uh, we have an agency now where we, we add, usually add between 500 and a million in ARR through our, our done-for-you stuff. So we actually go in and redo the onboarding for SaaS companies, and we write the demo scripts, we build the partnerships for them. And so today, I guess we're talking about the partnership strategy. Did you have a specific format that you wanted me to use to go through this, or do you just want me to just talk about the process? Yeah, basically, you know how we solve? It's always about like how we solve business problems step-by-step step so people have actionable insights. And by the way, Amir... Hey, Amir. What's up, man? He says, happy birthday. And also Marcel says, happy birthday, Aaron. Hey, hey guys. I was going to say happy birthday back, but I don't think that makes any sense. Happy birthday to you too at some point. Thanks, guys. And so, yeah, in terms of format, we'll just walk through, you know, your usual process. And we, we, we chatted about this before, you know, kind of like these steps. I think we're identifying your ideal customer, you know, find people who've built this already. You know, basically how to create win-win-win situations between you, the partner that you find, and the partner's audience. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'll just go through my framework. First of all, I love, love, love partnerships. Partnerships are one of my favorite ways to grow a company for a number of reasons. One is because I really love building relationships with people. And two, it's almost like a, 
people talk about growth hacks all the time. This is one of those growth hacks that's like could change your business in like a matter of weeks. I've seen SaaS companies build partnerships that enable them to sell for 10x their worth and, and just change the trajectory of their business because they built one partnership with the right person that allowed them to scale way faster than they could have otherwise and to build a huge user base that benefits all different types of parties, both, both the giver and the receiver. And so the strategy I'm going to go over today is, is really great. It's something that I've taken from Chet Holmes. He, he developed the Dream 100 strategy. I take some stuff from Russell Brunson. I've taken some stuff from Dana Derricks. I, I have a whole shelf full of like books of copywriting and marketing strategies that have combined all of these, tested them with SaaS. And what I'm going to share with you today is kind of our process for SaaS B2B or B2C to build partnerships quickly and leverage other people's audiences. To jump in from my experience, in all of my businesses, it has been the gift that keeps on giving if you create proper partnerships, not only a partnership where the partner promotes you once, but if you kind of like get an, an, an evergreen where you either integrate into the software or you're part of their onboarding funnel that an email goes out every, every time. It has been really phenomenal. At MaxiDM, we had this partnership with W3 Total Cash where they just, you know, had like, hey, want to make your site even faster? Click here, add MaxiDN. And this, yeah, was, was a real game changer for our business. Yeah. And please, David, jump in if you have comments or suggestions or thoughts too, because you have a lot of experience with this as well. So the first thing that I want to say about partnerships is that partners, usually good partners, their reason for jumping in, hold on, I'm going to move to a stand-up position. Standing this. Because you're drowning, you're drowning. Am I, is the desk going up or am I going down? I got this sweet stand-up desk and I just go up and down all the time. All right. So with, with partners, there's one thing that you have to realize about partners is that most partners, their number one reason for, for partnering with you is not for the money, okay? That's the number one thing. If you approach every partner with, hey, we want to get you more revenue, we want to build your income and get you more revenue, that it may be their, one of their top reasons, but it's usually not the top reason for doing a partnership. The number one reason somebody will do a partnership with you is because it adds more value to their client base. And not only will it add more value to them, it'll make them look like a hero in front of their customers in their eyes, and it will help their customers, their customers stick around longer. Now, what does all that equal? It equals more money, right? But if you approach a partner, and I get approached all the time, hey, Aaron, we got a profitable joint venture for you, 50% profit share all the time, 50%, 90% profit share. We'll give you all the profit. And you know what I, what I say to that is, I don't really care about the profit right now. What I care about is who are you? Are you going to serve my audience? And are you going to help me build value with my audience? Okay. Because my audience is my most important resource. I've spent years building my audience and it's taken years to build it. And it could take me 10 minutes to ruin it. Seconds to destroy. If I send out the wrong partner, send them the wrong partner. Seconds to destroy. Yes. Yeah. Trust is the number one key driver of, of, of partnerships. Ideally, if you get, I guess, you know, in our businesses, it's especially with LTV Plus, we, we do live chat for, for other customers and we kind of take, often take over the entire live chat department and or, or support department. And to kind of get somebody to allowing another company to do that, there has to be a lot of trust involved. And so kind of finding, yeah, I guess point being trust is the main, main driver of, of, forming partnerships and getting referrals. Absolutely. Money is second. Always, always, always money is second. If you find a partner who's more interested in the money than they are the relationship, 
it's not a good partner for you. Shady affiliate who promotes anything that they can get their hands on to their audience and probably their audience hates them and you're going to end up destroying your product. It's just not worth the time. Okay. So when you approach a partner, if you say, Hey, Joe or Gerard, love your product, find that lead. Been using it for, for months now and I absolutely love it. I noticed that one thing that some of your customers might struggle with is, is what to do once they get the conversation going. And we have this sales training specifically designed to show customers or people how to convert their customers and prospects into customers after they get the lead. And I'd like to give it away to your audience for free, or I'd like to give it to you for free, or I'd like to do a workshop in your group to show you how to do it. Would that be something you'd be open to? By the way, I'll set you up as a partner and we're giving out 50% commissions if anybody does sign up. But, but more importantly, we're We'd like to educate your customers on how to more how to have more success with your product. You're much more likely to take that offer than you would, hey, Gerard, you have a big audience. They buy from you. Let's make some more money together, right? I'll give you 50% of whatever commission I from, from my product without even really talking about the product or whatever. Aaron, can I ask a question on that, actually, while, while you're there? What about the, the, the whole element of the mutual referral element? So we talked about money not being, it shouldn't be number one, and, and that's fantastic. If you're partnering with someone, your ability to be able to give them back referrals, where would you rank that? Yeah. All right. So you got to look at partnerships as less of like a, you ever seen that show Married at First Sight? Ever heard of that show? I think it comes from the US. We have the worst TV ideas, show ideas. Just like We just put people through hell for people to do anything for in the spotlight. But essentially they they meet for the first time and then they get married. And that's usually how people approach partnerships. I want to get married. I like your audience. You look great. Let's get married. And that doesn't work in dating and it doesn't work in business. So it doesn't definitely, absolutely doesn't work in partnerships. So we look at partnerships as a courting period. There's a courtship that needs to happen with your partners. And you're probably not going to approach a girl or a man and say, hey, you're super cute. Let's get engaged right? That's just like way too forward. There's some girls that'll say yes, but you probably don't want to be with those girls or guys. The first step is, hey, let's go on a date. Let's go on a date. I'm just to see if I like you and you like me. And that's what, that, that's what happens when you do a partnership deal. You want to do a first date, which is really low risk for your partner and gives them the chance to see how you work with them. Now, if you like working with each other, then you can talk about, hey, well, what do you guys do? Let's get your product in front of my audience. Let's get my product in front of your audience. Maybe it doesn't really make a lot of sense for you, for you to put our product in front of, or your product in front of our audience. We're not really ready for that yet. And that's okay. But it's just like a, it's like a step-by-step process. And a lot of times partners that, that we work with don't really care about getting their product in front of your audience because maybe it's not the right fit or they're not ready for it or they don't want to go through the, the, the hassle. They'd rather just pop your tool into their program and get a commission for every, every time somebody signs up for it. So it just really depends. That's kind of like, it's like asking, uh, should you hold, should you, uh, should you hold hands with a person that you just met? Well, yeah, eventually, eventually you'll probably, if you like each other, you'll probably hold hands. If you like each other, eventually you'll probably start switching leads back and forth. But right now the goal is to build trust and provide so much value that your partner starts to trust you. And what's the, what, what do you see working as the best first date offers? You kind of mentioned something before, kind of creating a course for somebody or a shared blog post. Like kind of, kind of, and one thing I want to bring up because it was so eye-opening for me, this is when we met in London, like I don't know how many years ago at LTV Conf, we talked about closing success gaps. And it was the first time I heard about success gaps. 
And it makes so much sense. And if you want to elaborate on what success gaps are, and because this is what we're doing with this first date offer and kind of like making our partners, customers successful is we close a success gap with this, right? So if you want to elaborate on success gaps and then we kind of go into what are good tools for that. Perfect. It's a, good, it's a great lead in. So if you look at your product and you look at where your customer is at now and where they want to be, you look at like a like a timeline, you have where they're at now. And I'm going to use Gerard because I know I'm the only, I know Gerard does find that lead. He's the only one that I recognize on the call. But let's say, so Gerard has a tool called find that lead. Okay. The goal of that tool is to get them from uh, your customer from not having an outreach campaign to be able to find people to, to reach out to. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the problem that he solves. Now, if you zoom out, that problem is one slice of the, the customer's total journey, right? Their total journey is to be able to find prospects and then convert them into sales and keep them around for a long time. I mean, it could be if you're a salon owner or whatever, it could be different. But that, and that's why it's so important to identify who your, your dream customer is first, because you want to know what their success journey looks like. So Gerard comes to me and he says, hey, I can get you good leads. And you're like, awesome. And I go through the product. I do everything he says in his onboarding. And I have a list of all of these leads, which are just perfect to reach out to. But I still have, that's solving this part of the success gap. There's still this whole other section, which is how do I reach out to them? What do I say in the demo conversation? How do I convert them to leads? All that other stuff that Gerard doesn't really talk about. He may have some guides on how to do it. But the truth is, even if someone completes his product 100% to the letter, it still doesn't solve their end problem, which is getting more leads, right? That's, that's really the problem that he's trying to solve for customers. So, if I, so that's why I said, if I came to Gerard and I said, hey, Gerard, you have a great tool that provides leads. You know, if you're, we found that there's a lot of people that have leads that don't know what to do with them once they have them or don't have a good cadence or don't have a good tool to reach out to them. We've built out, and this is another thing that I teach my clients, is to create a signature system or framework or model around their product so that they have something to talk about instead of just, here's our product. So for example, I'm going to take uh, Mailshake, for instance. So Mailshake and, and Find That Lead maybe are really good partners, right? Because Find That Lead generates leads, Mailshake allows you to send out messages. So I come to him and I say, hey, we've created a, a process that, will, that shows people how to, what to do with the leads that they get and what to say to them, how to close the deal, you know, how, to, how to nurture them, how to get them on the call, what emails to send. And so Gerard's like, yeah, absolutely, because I don't solve that problem, but I need to solve it in order for my customers to have success. Because even if the customer goes through my, my tool and gets a list of 100 leads that are absolutely ready to buy, they still don't have those success gaps filled, which are how to reach out to them and close the deal. So if you come in and say, hey, we've created a framework that shows customers how to do it, and we want to teach it to your audience, and part of the framework is our tool, they can use our tool if they want, but they don't need to, but we're going to build it into the framework anyways. This is kind of how we built it. Can we present this to your audience to help them get more success from your tool or find that lead? That's a very compelling offer especially if I send the presentation to Gerard first in like a package, a direct mail package. And I say, hey, Gerard, this is a presentation we did. 
we want to show it to you. We think it's going to really help your audience or get that in front of them in some other way. And he sees it and he loves it. That's something that he can push out to his audience to close that success gap. Yeah, we, we're on the receiving end of this with, with Task Drive. We do lead research. It's basically what we also use Finite Leads. We use a bunch of different tools to like really do deep lead research. And we give these leads to our customers. And then some of them are not good with outreach, don't know how to write copy, et cetera. Don't know how about omni-channel outreach, how you can reach out to people by phone, email, LinkedIn, like a bunch of stuff, right? And then my buddy, Charles Godet, he has a course on how to do proper omnichannel outreach. And we funneled a lot of customers over to him. And, you know, he, he charged them for this. And then he, his thing is he may turn them into coaching clients because he has a coaching business, right? Called Predictable Profits. And so this is the win for him. And the win for us is that these people are educated. They will be able to get much better results from the leads that we give them. Hence, this thing is closing success gap. So it's like a perfect, I guess, first date offer. Exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 so, it's so awesome. Everybody wins in that circumstance. I, I like that, actually, Aaron, because think about that. When I was heading up partnerships back at my day at FIFO, it was in, in a, a strategy that we employed, actually. So in our initial discovery with a prospect, we were looking at what their pain points were. Well, what are we trying to solve? What are we trying to help you with? And where we had, say, we want X, Y, and Z, this is what we're trying to do. So we were fulfilling that one small element of what they required. And then we're pulling in other partners to fulfill the rest of it and almost become an ecosystem for them. And aside from, A, winning that business, what it also did was it ensures stickability as well because all three of you or four of you, however many partners there are, making that project successful, it it basically means that that client is going to stick with you a little bit more than they would if they said, yeah, gone to one of you individually because there is that maybe I think someone was was asking about integrations earlier and, and so if you've got integrations between the three of you, that makes it a bit more sticky as well. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Integrations is kind of the secret keyword in in partnerships for SaaS. The keyword for SaaS businesses is integrations. It's it's the holy grail, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. If you find another product that you can integrate into your product that solves a problem that they're not solving, and you can have your developers build it in form so it's a click away, just like you did, David. I mean, that's like, how easy is that for everyone involved? So easy to do that. If you go to Mailshake, they're doing the same thing. Mailshake has a Vidyard integration. And so when you go into Mailshake and you want to create a video message to send out to your cold outreach, you click Vidyard, you create an account, and then it puts the video right into Mailshake, it's like, takes a couple of seconds. And I guarantee you that Mailshake is taking a cut of whatever customers come from that. And that's fine. That's, I don't care. I could care less as a customer. And like Mailshake wins, Vidyard wins, everybody wins in that case. And it makes your customers so much easier. The experience, customer experience for me is also so much better too, because I don't have to figure all those things out. What could you think are like the easiest low-hanging fruit first date offers that you can make? Yeah, a couple of really good ones is, and this is this is this comes from Russell Brunson. So I'm not taking credit for this, and this is a fit for some of you, but not everyone. David has this great show called How We Solve, right? He's brought me on to talk to you guys, and in the course of this conversation, I get to meet him, I get to talk to him, I get to see how handsome he is, and he's like he's he's really smooth talker. And he's super friendly. By the end of this conversation, if David came to me and said, hey, listen, man, I, 
you have coaching clients, we have a really cool thing that, that might help, help them. Can we put an article on your site? Can we post something in your Facebook group? Can we give something to your audience for free? No opt-in, nothing like that. We just want to provide value. I would probably say yes, because I've met David and he's, given, he's provided a lot of value to me by allowing me to scale my message to you guys. So one thing that I do is I'll reach out to people and say, hey, can I just, I just, I'm just super interested in what you're doing. I'd love to interview you about your process. And dude, people love getting on interviews and podcasts and shows. I kind of made up my own show and I just said, hey, we'd like to get you on the SaaS Growth Hacks show and you get in front of all these people and we just want to talk about what you're doing. And then after the call, they feel they've gotten a lot of value and I mean, people love talking about themselves. I love talking about myself. I would do this for free. I'll don't tell anyone, but I would do this for free, which I'm doing right now, and I love it. It's it's great. On your on your freaking birthday, you know? on my birthday, yeah, yeah. So, and there's lots of people out there like me, and so you can build a relationship. The first date could be getting on a show and just interviewing them, and then you move into something like getting an article created and posting it on their site. You could do one of my. F- What's a really easy one is if you do a roundup post, because then you can like reach out to people. So like, hey, we're doing this, we're doing this roundup post with experts on blah. Kind of, they feel good because they're considered an expert already, right? That's a great one. Yeah, I've had people reach out to me on that too. And then it's also very low friction for them. Like you can say like, hey, use Loom and like give us your response to blah, and then we kind of create like the the written piece out of it, or we even like post a video video of you, and you know, so we can also like reach out to. 10 people at the same time. That's super you know, smart. Like whatever, how many, 50, uh, what I love about that years. is each one of our, the audiences, each one of the experts is going to share that with their audience. So you get exposure to 10 times the amount of people. It's like a brilliant, brilliant. I mean, I would look at musicians, for instance, and podcasts. Musicians are constantly collaborating with each other and they make a big deal about it. Boney Vare and Taylor Swift is the one that comes to mind to like, artists that I really like. They collaborated twice on their album and Bon Iver brought their out their whole audience to Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift brought their whole audience to Bon Iver. And nobody loses because it's totally two different types of music, right? I love looking at musicians as good good ways, you know, examples of good partnerships because you get two musicians together who click and uh, you create something that just is so magical, way better than what they could have created on their own. And then both have access to both audiences. So yeah, I, I love that. First date can be anything that hardly requires any effort from your partner, but delivers a lot of value. So a, first, a, a good first date is not, hey, let's promote my offer to your audience. That's probably not a good first date offer because there's a lot of risk there. But if you said to me, hey, Aaron, you have a SaaS growth hacks group. We have this free guide. Or, or even if you said, I've had, people have done this to me too. They've said, hey, we'd like to get you into our free guide on SaaS marketing. So can you tell us a little bit about just like you said, like it's a roundup, but they put my quote in the article or whatever, the guide. And then they asked me to share that guide on the, on the group. It's like, well, of course I'm going to share that guide on the group. I positions me as an expert. I didn't have to do anything. Right. And then if you're super smart, what you'll do is you'll say, Hey, please put your, a link to something that you'd like to share with our audience and track it. So if any sales come through, we give you commission. If, if they were really smart, they do that. And they come back and say, hey, it looks like a sale came through on our system for you. Or I, I could say, hey, a sale came through. Wow, that's really amazing. I didn't, I got a sale from that. I didn't even know it. I would, in a second, I would do a partnership with them again. So make it easy for your partners to have success for the first date. So 
to summarize, identify a dream customer, figure out what are their pain points, figure out what their system is and what they're not providing, kind of closing the success gap. I guess like that's the initial thing. And then, you know, find people who have built a list of people that are your customers, creating your dream 100 type of thing. Then build trust, like start easy, buy them a drink versus ask them you know, to marry you, like run a post, have, have them on a podcast, etc. right? These type of things. And then create the first date offer, make it easy for them, like whatever you can provide. And yeah, and then the holy grail is that you kind of turn this into an evergreen that you're either integrated into their software or that you're part of their onboarding funnel or, yeah. Exactly. That's where most people stop in outside of SaaS is they'll do a JV partnership, they'll do it once, and then they'll never do it again. If you, I, I did a partnership with a gentleman named John Bouchon, and he's a just a super fun guy. He has a, he has a group. Oh, man, I forgot the name of the group, but he's just look him up. He's really, really uh, B-U-C-H-A-N. Really good copywriter. He's got a really good stuff. And we did a great partnership. And I thought it was good. I didn't really have to do much. And if he had said to me, hey, Aaron, you know what? As part of your onboarding, we're going to write an email for you that says, like, Aaron has this partnership with this copywriter. We put together a package for you. Even if it's not my, I'm sorry, not even my onboarding. It could just be like if somebody signs up for my newsletter, right? And they said, hey, we just want to push it out. We want to implement this into your current process. Man, that, that's that's amazing. I mean, that that is like that's like the holy grail, like you said, David, is integrating your product with someone else's product in some way. And then like the ultimate holy grail is coming together and building a product together and then selling it to both your audiences. Yeah, which is like super, super high level. Not everyone will get to that point, but your first date and your JV and your second offer and your third offer, those should be stepping stones to getting to that product integration holy grail where um, you are just built into their product. And everybody wins. The customers have success. You get com- you get sales. They get sales. They get have l- lower churn. And here's the deal: it's like is you don't need to have a thousand partnerships. You need one or two good partnerships to be able to really substantially impact your revenue, right, David? Like your your one partnership was like that was it. That was that was the one that like had a huge huge impact. So if you have a hundred partners and you get re- you get rejected by ninety nine percent of them and only one responds back. And they're a good partner for you that, to me, is worth all the time and effort. And especially in, in your partner outreach, you're just doing, it's manual stuff mostly. So That brings me on to uh, quite nicely, to a question that I had. So you speak quite a bit about you know, building a Dream 100 list. You talk about, you said 100 is like a good manageable number of, of partners you could have. So should people, once they've built this Dream 100 list, and maybe say signed 10 of those, if, if they were lucky, should they keep adding to that list? So should it be an evergreen list of one that keeps on evolving? And if so, is there a danger that if you keep adding to your dream 100 list, that you know, the, the people that you keep adding into it after you've already signed the ones you want, that the quality starts to dwindle? Okay, I'll try to answer that question because it's a good question. So we have different tiers of partners that we go after. Tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four. Tier ones are like the top, top level. So those are the ones that we want to get a partnership with and we'll do anything. We'll fly down to their you know, compound or office if we need to and have lunch with them, right? Those are the ones that we really, really want to build a relationship. We spend a lot of time with. Tier twos are ones that have a big audience, but we don't, we don't want to spend enough effort. Tier three is lower. Tier four is even lower than that. Your tier three and four are going to continue to grow because you'll, you'll just pop people in there and your affiliate 
offer with them is different than your tier one. So your tier ones are going to be integrate together and like we'll promote our audiences. Tier fives might be, can we just get an article on your site? Can we post something in your Facebook group? And then that might move up in tier. If you find out that a tier five is like, a tier five would be a company that maybe no one has ever heard of. They have a few hundred customers. They don't really have a big, big, big following, but hey, like getting an article posted in their newsletter or whatever is, that might be substantial and it doesn't require a lot of work for them. And your partnership manager really doesn't require a lot of work for them either. And they're easier to get a hold of. You can do like five of those lower tier partnerships in the amount of time it takes you to do one higher level partnership. So you shouldn't treat all your partnerships the same and you shouldn't all give them the same partnership offer, even commissions too. Yeah. Like you wouldn't give, I see a big problem is people reaching out to affiliates and getting affiliates to sign up and giving them all like, you know, 20% and then having a really, really big affiliate come in and just treating them the same way as they treat the smaller affiliates. And it's like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Very good point. We were with Maxim, we were like in different affiliate networks and we had like thousands, I think 10,000 plus affiliates. And the only ones who really made damage were the ones that I hand selected and kind of reached out and built this relationship with them. The other ones were just like like negligible, more work than actual benefit that, that, that we got from them. Yeah. Did you have a partnership manager at the time, David? Yes, we did. Managing the partnerships? You did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you even had a partner. It was still a hassle. So that's another thing is is firing affiliates too. It's okay to let affiliates go there. Yeah. 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 And also like you know, affiliates can also do like crazy stuff like bid on your keywords, bid on your brand, like they, they can spam people. There's like a bunch of stuff. So it's, it's be, be wise with your affiliates. Actually, I want to ask you two questions where I'm going to like make you, bring you into focus like this. Boom. Yeah. Woo. And the spotlight questions, you know, are kind of like <laughs> cut out and it's going to be like a how, how to video that we're going to put up on YouTube. And two questions. First is how to build a thriving Facebook community. If you can talk about this briefly. Okay. And the second one is how much ref share is appropriate in the SaaS space? These are... All right. Which one do you want to go first with? And they're going to ask the question. Chili, one second. I'm just going to like to make this perfect. So, Heron, so question from the audience. What is appropriate in terms of ref share for affiliates in the SaaS space? All right. That depends on the quantity of people they're sending you and also the value of the partnership. So. We have, we've split our partnerships up into tiers. A tier one affiliate will get a lot more attention from us and they'll either get a bigger commission or more commission at the more clients they bring to us. It'll be a tiered commission basis. But I have seen everything from 10% to 100% commission. The way that the 100% commission works is that if you look at a product like Designer, where your model is selling a $27 lifetime access to their product with upsells, they can afford where they make their money is the back end. They don't make their money on the front end. So if I pay an affiliate $27 to acquire me a $27 customer, I'm net zero. But anything after that, my partner, I can either say my, my partner gets a percentage of any of the upsells or they don't. They just get the first, they get the first all 27 bucks or 47 or whatever. So you really have to look at your your numbers, figure out something that makes sense. How much are you what is your CAC now to acquire a customer? What is your payback period? And 
maybe get something similar to that. Some companies do perpetuity for years and years and years. Some only do one year. But think about your affiliates and come up with a strategy that works for you and for them that doesn't screw you because you don't want to get screwed. I mean, what you don't want to have happen is somebody to send you a thousand referrals and they end up being a huge drain on your support. And you have to, you, you have to keep up to paying, pay them month over month over month. And it's not ideal for you. So just when you start bringing out partners, try to try to establish something low risk initially for bottom tier affiliates and partners where they can, you know, for a year, six months or whatever. And then for top tier affiliates, create something custom so that they feel like they're getting a ton of value. And, and it's like, so it's a win-win for both of you guys. So there's not an actual like answer, which there was like 15% for six months is like the answer. It just depends on who your partners are and, and what kind of uh, relationship you want to have with them. It's always the right answer to, to any, I guess, in how we solve. It's always, it depends. It's kind of the answer to everything because it always really depends. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's frustrating too. It depends on this. It depends on this. But if there's not one specific answer and you need to test things, then you're in a good spot. Could be actually a cool blog post to kind of like gather different SaaS businesses on and what their affiliate models are, for example, I think. ClickFunnels gives like 40% lifetime or something like this, which is outrageous. And would be interesting to kind of, I guess, also important how you stack up with the competition in your market. For example, web posting is also something that's like super hardcore competitive and they even pay the affiliates more than they make on the initial sale because they know they're going to make it on the back end. You know, it's just like the funnel, funnel that they have is also an important thing. And I guess that's the, the key thing. If you're able to, I don't know where I have this from, but the person who can afford the most, spend the most on the acquiring the customer is who will win at the end. So kind of like... Yeah, Dan Kennedy said that. Dan Kennedy, yeah. Figuring out your funnel is, I guess, is the name of the game. So yeah, unfortunately, the answer is it depends. As, as always, let's, <laughs> let's bring, bring Chili back in. Actually, no, one more question. Other question is, Aaron, you have a very thriving Facebook community. You have 25,000 people under South Growth Hacks. It's, people, it's very engaged, really cool people. Actually, through, when there were still real-life meetups, people organized South Growth Hacks meetups around conferences that were happening. You know, so it's, like, it's a very active community. If you could yeah, talk about how to build a thriving Facebook community. Yeah, so I did this. I built my community five years ago. Communities aren't going anywhere. In fact, they're even more necessary now than they were pre-COVID. People need a place to talk with their peers and network and connect. It'll be Facebook. It'll be Slack. At some point, it'll probably be VR. It doesn't matter. So if your current market doesn't have a very good community, it's a really good opportunity for you to step in and create a really good community for them, which is what happened with, with me. I saw some SaaS communities, but none of them were very good. And I said, I could do a way better job of doing this. So then I, I what I did was I bought a list of 10,000 SaaS founders. I just typed in SaaS founders email list. I just bought it. I opened up uh, reply.io. I put the names in and I said, I said, hey, I've started a Facebook group specifically for SaaS founders. I reached out to you because we want to have some high quality people in the group. We're going to share what's working in SaaS to grow and scale. We'd love to have you as a member. Would you be interested? I asked them a question. I started a conversation and then I got replies back. I started inviting them. The community started to grow slowly, slowly, slowly. What I, so what I would suggest if you're starting a community is don't build it around your product, build it around a passion, a pain, a niche or an outcome. Okay. 
So if your product is Botify, don't start a group called Botify Users Forever because no one cares about your product and it'll turn into a punching bag for your product. And you don't want your support community mixing with your prospect community. Okay, You can have a group about your product, but just don't make that the the group that funnels in leads for you. Make that something private for customers. So I built it around growth hacks, SaaS growth hacks. I didn't even know, I didn't know any SaaS growth hacks when I started the group. So I didn't even know what I was talking about when I started. I probably named it, yeah, and I, I do now, but now I, I would have probably would have choose, chose something different looking back. But anyways, you start around a pain, a niche, a passion, or an outcome. Seven figure Amazon sellers, entrepreneur moms, or freedom success freedom CEOs. Like what, These are the things that people want. They're the outcomes that they want. Get really clear on who your ideal customer is, who your dream customer is, because you're going to have to figure out how to reach them. So if your customers B2B businesses, like good luck trying to find them. How do you target B2B businesses? So the more clear you are with the market that you're going after, the easier it will be for you to find congregation points, which are the areas those people hang out. So they might be on Facebook, they might be on a specific podcast, they might be you know, reading specific books or in another community. As long as you can find out where they're at, you can target them some way. So identify who that market is, find those target. I, first thing that I would do right away is type in email list of Shopify users, email list of... You can always come to taskdrive.com and we can search the list for you, handcrafted. Shameless plug. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, David. I wish I wish Task Drive would have been around. I wish Task Drive would have been around for me because I would have made things so much easier. But if your best customers are already using Shopify, Task Task Drive it. Just build a list, and it's such an easy offer. No one responded back to me saying, "Get who the who do you think you are inviting me to a free Facebook group to discuss how to grow my SaaS company?" Like no one's going to say that. It's the low. It's the easiest risk free offer you could possibly make. Okay. And people love getting, I love the, the way that I positioned the email was we want to invite high quality people. We want to have you involved in the, in the founding member group, make them feel special and then start a conversation and get them in. Okay. Once you start getting the group going, you want to give every every new prospect, every new visitor, a VIP experience. And what I mean by that is the group is going to be so small initially, there's not going to be any conversations until you get to a few hundred members. So you have to be the conversation starter or have someone else be the conversation starter. You or somebody else has to act as you to introduce and welcome each new member individually into the community. And that's what I did. Every new member that joined, I reached out and said, Joe, thank you so much for joining. I'm so happy to have you in SaaS Growth Hacks. It's a pleasure. If you have a minute or two, we would love for you to talk about your SaaS in the group and promote yourself. Okay. Promote whatever you want in the group. I don't do that now because that because I have 25,000 members. I can't do that now. Yeah. But the rules evolved over time. But giving that VIP experience, inviting them, we did spotlights. We would just pick members out. We'd do the research on them. We'd say, hey, just wanted to point out, we did this for Russell Brunson when he joined the group. We, we made a big post like, we want to welcome Russell Brunson to the group. Everybody welcome Russell Brunson. And People are like, whoa, Russell Brunson's in this group? That's cool. And Russell Brunson messaged me. He said, like, thanks for, for reaching out. We did this with like not just big members, but people who were just starting a SaaS company. And we did our own research. We really gave them a red carpet treatment, man. And when somebody posted something in the group and had a question that I couldn't solve, I would post, I would tag somebody else in the group who I thought might be able to help. So you got you to gotta be that glue that holds the group together. 
initially. Eventually, it'll start to develop a life of, us, of its own. And at that point, you have this, your own pond of people that you can draw from. You can test offers, you can test copy, messaging. What we did was we actually had those three questions that you can answer when you join a Facebook group. One of them was drop your email if you want a copy of our free onboarding guide. And that was sent to Active Campaign, which went into my list, which would build my list. Yeah, exactly. I got seven. I'm at, I'm not, at, my list isn't huge right now because I stopped, I stopped building it because um, I changed the questions, but, but I, I developed this huge list of people and I would email them. I had this onboarding process. The first email that went out was said, Hey, it's Aaron. So glad to have you in the group. I'm so thrilled to have you. Here's the onboarding guide. If you have any questions, let me know. Right. I made them feel really, really welcome. And, and that was just another way to do that. But there, you're, you're going to be hands-on for the first few hundred members to kind of get it rolling. And then, and then after that, you can start searching for things like best Facebook groups or best communities for lawyers or HR people or whatever. And then you get those blog owners to mention you in their blogs. Yeah. Yeah. In their groups. I got a ton of exposure by copywriters looking for to create content. And so they created the top best SaaS groups and they just put all the groups together. And, and I didn't have, I didn't even have to say anything. They just say, Hey, I put you in, I, I put you a number one on this list of, of top SaaS groups. And if I was smarter, I would have probably went into the communities or people that had already been posting those posts and said, Hey, can I add myself to this list? I'll write out all the content for you and you can update your post. You know, I'll, I'll rewrite the SEO tags for you or whatever. Let's make it super easy. Give them a lot of value. And that's one really good way to start getting people in. I never ran Facebook ads, but I've, I have seen it done. And frankly, it was mostly just, I hate to say this, it was word of mouth and getting the momentum going. Cool. That's, that's awesome. So to recap, you first figure out the niche that you want to serve. Should not be your, your company. You do outreach, you build a list, buy a list, use TaskDraft to build a list of the people that want to hear of this. Write cool copy, just make them feel special. Hey, I just want experts in there. would love to have you. Here's the link if you, if you want to join. Super benign. Nobody will complain about something like this. Give them VIP treatment in the beginning. Have the rules will evolve over time. So maybe just like give a few people the VIP treatment of like announcing the people that's coming in. Be the glue of the of the of the group. Tag people if there's questions. Refer people. Help people. Connect people. And other cool tip: add your ask people to add their email into the. On the, on the onboarding questions if they want a free guide for whatever. And this is another way to build your email list, which is absolutely gangster, which I really like. Cool, Aaron. Thank you very much. This was, was, was super cool. I will bring Chili back in and see if we have any questions from the audience. And yeah, by the way, guys, if you have any questions for Aaron, please feel free to drop them into the chat. Thanks for hanging out with me today, guys. My birthday party. Good. Cheers, man. Aaron, thank, thank you very much because you, you shared some really great tips that I'm sure everyone viewing who's going to be you know, keen to go out and implement themselves. I know that because I've got bunions on my fingers because I've been writing down so much. So one of the things I was wondering was, would you be able to share some of the failures that you've had or you've, you've experienced in helping other people out? You know, perhaps that will give people an idea of some of the pitfalls that are out there and what people should be wary of committing, the errors that people should be wary of committing. I love talking about my failures. So this is easy for me. I have way more failures than I do successes. And uh, and I've actually, in my vocabulary, I've tried to replace the word failure with test. And that makes it makes failing a lot easier to handle. Yeah. So you're not failing, you're just testing. Did it work? Great. If it didn't, all right, that's okay. Time to try something new. One of the biggest 
things that mistakes I made originally was not following up enough with partners. I had this idea in my head that if I didn't get them to connect with me on the first message, that it was a failure, that I'll know I won't reach out again. And so now what I do is I look at the umbrella strategy, which is the first email is just the first glance across the room, right? At that cute girl or guy. And then you know, the, the second email is that, oh, brushed arms on the way to lunch, right? In the cafeteria. Like, it's just a series of things that have to happen in order to make a connection with them. And what I found is that the busiest people expect you to follow up with them. And if you do that, you have a much better, much, much higher success rate getting a hold of partners. I have read stories of people spending two to three years developing a partner and a partnership that developed into a multi-million dollar deal. Years, years of of follow-up and just checking in. So that's one of the biggest mistakes that I made was thinking that I needed to close the deal on the first email. One call close, all that kind of stuff with some really some limiting beliefs that I had to overcome. And I say the, the other big mistake was going after the wrong types of partners and going after people that would just never do a partnership. And we just, you know, it's really demoralizing to send out a hundred emails for three weeks and not get any responses. And um, sometimes it's because of the fit. It's not a good fit. And because you didn't have the offer right or whatever, whatever it might be, but um, going after the wrong partners is uh, the the way that we overcame that was by, by limiting the, limiting the, uh, the variable of, of limiting ourselves to one type of partners. We just reach out to all different types of partners and we position the product in different ways. Awesome. One last question from the audience was hiring a partnership manager. I guess like could could be a chill question. Chili is our partnership manager. He he's handling this. Like what what do you see? Chili, sorry bro. If you have a partnership manager, just fire him right away. They're not needed. I'm just kidding. Actually, some of my mentors, one of my mentors says the first hire that you should make in your company is a partnership manager. Because a salesperson will go out and they'll close deals with one-on-one, right? A partnership manager, if they have the right strategy, are closing deals with tier one through five partners. And one sale from a partner or one deal from a partner is worth way more usually than one sale from a one-on-one salesperson. So do I recommend that you hire a partner manager first before anyone else? It depends on your business. But you absolutely should have a partnership manager, especially if... You have partners reaching out to you without you doing anything, without you reaching out to any partners. If partners are reaching out to you say, hey, we saw your product. We want to partner with you because we really like it and we want to integrate with you. That's a really good sign that there's other partners out there. That's the universe telling you, go do more partnerships. Go do it. If you don't have any partners coming to you and you've never had success with partnerships, having a partnership manager or having someone part-time at least do it can help you figure out if there's partnerships or a good path for you, but it's going to make it so much easier have a partnership manager. I think everything B2B partnerships is always the name of the game. I could not see any any business where, where it doesn't make sense. So everyone needs <laughs> yeah. Chili in his, in his life. You know. Chili is not for sale. <laughs> Don't reach out to him. Don't offer him a job. It's David's. Yes. Awesome, Aaron. Thank you very, very much. This was really cool. Always love having you. Always love chatting you. I hope, hope we get to see you in person on, on conferences now that you know everybody's been vaccinated. That stuff opens up again. Can't wait. And where do people find you? if they want to connect with you and anything you want to promote. Yeah. If you, SaaS Growth Hacks is a great place to start. Just go to SaaS Growth Hacks, type SaaS Growth Hacks into Facebook, join the community. I offer 
two, there's two things that I offer there. One is uh, a session with me to talk to me and see if I can help you scale faster. The other is a free uh, free resource that we have. And both of those are, are great. You want to take advantage of that. And if you just want to reach out to me personally, you can just go to aaroncrowd.io. You can hit me up on chat there. That's the easiest way. Yeah, I actually, I, I took down the ebook and I put up, it's a better resource now. So if you go to SaaS Growth Hacks, you can just say, yes, I want the guide or the resource that I put in there and I can send you some stuff. And then also... We'll have a chat and I, I have a bunch of stuff that I can send you for free. If you just reach out on Facebook and say, hey, here's my challenge. Do you have anything to help? I have, probably do have something to help you that I can send you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Rock and roll. Thank you. Thank you very much. See you guys. Bye. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.